Second reading is found in Paul's letter to the Roman Christians, chapter 6. This will serve as the basis for our meditation this morning. What shall we say then? Shall we keep on sinning so that grace may increase? Absolutely not. We died to sin. How can we go on living in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by this baptism into his death, so that just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too would also walk in a new life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him to make our sinful body powerless so that we would not continue to serve sin. For the person who has died has been declared free from sin. And since we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that since Christ has been raised from the dead, he will never die again. Death no longer has control over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, also consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What makes a good story? Think of a movie that you just have to watch all the way to the end. You, you can't just stop midstream. Or maybe uh, think of a book that you just can't put down until you get to the very end. Find out what happened. What makes that story great or, or so engaging or just draws you in so much? You know, may, maybe it's the plot. Maybe it's the character development, how the character goes from, you know, something that, that's not impressive or not great and ends up becoming the hero in the end. Maybe it, it's simply how the, all the, the twists and turns of the story, the curveballs that get thrown, you go, I didn't see that coming. Or maybe it's how the author of that story whether on film or, or on a book, or in a book, how that author draws you in as you connect you to one of the characters in that story. You just want to know what happened to that person, and you, you have a strong connection with that person, character in the story. For example, let's take the account of our Savior's death and resurrection. Each of us can connect with someone in, in that story of Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. Now, Perhaps you, you connect a little bit more with, with Peter. Peter, who thought he was so bold and brave and then under almost no pressure at all, denied his Lord, and yet he so gratefully received Christ's forgiveness after Jesus rose from the dead. Perhaps you connect with the thief on the cross as you look back in your life and go, wow, there's so many things in my life that I deserve hell for, and yet you rejoice because you know that the Savior on the cross is your Savior. And He promises you heaven. Perhaps you connect with the women at Jesus' tomb who are, who are shocked to find it empty, but eager to tell everyone the good news that Jesus lives. Or perhaps you connect with Thomas, who I think does get a bad rap because all the other disciples were thinking the same way. But Thomas, whose doubt about Jesus' actual rising from the dead is recorded in Scripture, Yet he rejoiced when Jesus showed him grace. You and I connect with all kinds of people in that account of Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection. It's very easy to do that 
And, and maybe it's someone who I didn't even mention that you connect with in that story. But how many of us actually connect with the focus of that story? How many of us make that connection or connect with Jesus? You might think to yourself, how can I connect with Him? He's without sin. He's holy. Yeah, He's truly human, but He's also truly God. That's not me. I, that, sorry, we don't have the same thing going there. How can I connect with Him? But friends, the truth is you are connected with Jesus. You were connected to His death and His resurrection when baptismal waters made holy by God's Word were poured over your head. You were baptized into a new life in Christ. You know, there's an old spiritual in our hymnal. It asks some questions, and you probably heard this one. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? And that, after each of those questions, uh, the song goes, it causes me to tremble. So were you there when Jesus lugged a heavy wooden cross through the streets of Jerusalem out to a hill, out, a rocky outcropping outside of the town. Well, no, you weren't there. Were you there when the soldiers pounded nails through his hands and feet? No. Were you there when he gave up his spirit and died? No. Were you there when two of his friends quickly buried him in a borrowed tomb no. You know, no matter how old you are or how old you might feel, none of us were alive when those events actually took place. None of us can say that we were physically present when those events happened, but in a certain sense, we were there. What causes each of us to tremble? What causes you to lose sleep, to feel restless? Sin. The ancient prophet Isaiah, he trembled when he pondered what his sins would do to the coming Savior. He said, it was because of our rebellion that he was pierced. He was crushed for the guilt our sins deserved. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Were you there? Yes, you were. Through baptism. You see, your sins, the big ones and the little ones, the public ones and the secret ones, the ones you remember and the ones you don't, well, those sins were the reason Jesus went to the cross. As the sinless Son of God, Jesus never deserved death. You did, so did I. You deserved God's eternal punishment for your life of willing disobedience. You and I should have suffered the Savior's excruciating death. And every day we all deserve more and more death. We earn more and more death with every sin. It's kind of like a paycheck that just keeps growing and growing and growing with every wicked thought or loveless word or selfish action. It causes us to tremble because Jesus bore it all for us. When Jesus died, He took all your sins and He placed them on His own shoulders. And you know what? Those sins died with Him. In fact, when he was buried in that tomb, your sin and death went in there with him. His sacrifice, his payment for you was complete. Paul tells us, for the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. 
Sin was buried with him, but three days later, what came out of that tomb? Was it your guilt? Was it the guilt of your loveless thoughts? Or your hurtful words? Was it the guilt of your, of your loveless actions? Was it a victorious Satan arm in arm with death just so excited about how many souls were going to come pouring into hell? No. The living Jesus left that tomb empty. When the angel rolled the stone away, it was empty. There was no Savior in there. And Satan and death were certainly not coming out of there. Paul reminds us of that. He says, we know that since Christ has been raised from the dead, he will never die again. Death no longer has control over him. What comfort! What hope, what peace, what certainty in an uncertain world lost without absolute truth that Jesus lives. He died to sin once and for all. But death doesn't control him. You know, you you can go and find the tombs of Muhammad or of Joseph Smith or of Buddha. But even if you go to the traditional tomb sites that they say where Jesus was buried in Jerusalem, guess what? They're empty. Look around. You won't find him there. You won't find his bones turned to dust there. They're empty tombs. Jesus lives. Jesus reigns forever. And through baptism, Jesus connects you with his death and resurrection. Paul tells us, we were therefore buried with him by this baptism into his death so that just as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too would also walk in new life. You, know, you see it time and again when we have baptisms. You see it at baptismal fonts just like ours. A sinfully blind, spiritually dead enemy of God is brought to the font or comes to the font, and there, through a few drops of, the wa- of water poured over that person's head in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives sight. Jesus gives life. Jesus gives that person the status of being a beloved child, a holy child of His heavenly Father, And that's what he did for you in baptism. Now, perhaps you were an infant brought to the font in your parents' arms. Maybe you're a child walking up. Maybe perhaps you were older, even an adult, but still the same miracle takes place. It doesn't degrade with age. In baptism, you and I died to sin with Christ. In baptism, our sins were buried with Christ and his forgiveness. In baptism, we were made alive in Christ Jesus. We're reborn. It's not something you do, it's not something you decide, but it's a miracle that Jesus performed within you through the water and the Word. Jesus Himself connects you to His death and resurrection through that water and His Almighty Word. And how awesome to be part of all that. You are part of the story. Through baptism, you are dead to sin, you are alive to God in Christ Jesus. But what does that mean? So what? What impact does that have on your life? Well, Paul doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us. We know that our old self was crucified with him to make our sinful body powerless so that we would not continue to serve sin. For the person who has died has been declared free from sin. You know, going back to your sins, which were crucified and buried with Christ, it's kind of like making your bedroom in a crypt among corpses and bones. Why would you want to go back to the old way of things? 
the old weaknesses that once trapped you and filled your nostrils with dead poisonous air. Why would you want to leave the land of the living to dwell with the dead? Friends, Jesus isn't going back. He's not going to die again. He doesn't need to. So why should you? But isn't it true that so often we do? So often we fall back into those old sins we used to know and love. So often we give in again to those same temptations and pander to the same old weaknesses. So often we tell the Lord, I I can't handle being dead to sin. I can't handle the struggle with temptation. It's just too much. So let me just get comfortable back here in the graveyard. No. You need not be overcome by the struggle, not because you're so strong or somehow you have the ability to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, but because your old sinful self was crucified and buried with Christ. With Jesus' complete forgiveness, sin is no longer your master. You are free from death's control. Why go back to the graveyard and become a spiritual zombie again? Yes, being dead to sin means change for your life, and that's hard. It's not easy. It means not going back where you know you'll be tempted to fall back into familiar sin. It means not giving in when your nature craves action. It even means examining and changing your lifestyle and priorities if necessary. But all of that is possible only because in baptism you were raised with Jesus to live a new life. Because of what Christ has done and what he, because of him and because of what he has done for you through baptism, you could get up this morning as a forgiven child of God even after a yesterday of sin. You can live in a way pleasing to God today. Your old self isn't in charge any longer, but your new self made alive through Christ arises anew each day. But Paul reminds us, if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. God gave you life through the waters of baptism connected with his life-giving word. Think of the birth of a child. That child didn't decide to be conceived. That child didn't decide to be born. No, by God's grace, that little one was given life through him. In a similar way, you don't decide to get spiritual life from God. You don't earn spiritual life from God. No, God who is rich in mercy gives you life through his holy almighty word. That's how water can do such great things. Kids in confirmation class, we just talked about these yesterday, right? In Luther's small catechism, he tells us the water is connected to God's all-powerful word, and that's why it's not just plain water, and why that water can do such great things. It's not because it's holy water, magic water, or whatever. It's because of the gospel that's connected with that water. And then the Lord sustains that new life in you. I mean, think about it. If you put a new plant in the ground, you have to take care of it. If you don't give it enough water, it's going to shrivel and die. If you don't give it enough sun, it's going to shrivel and die. If you don't sustain the plant, it's going to shrivel and die. When you were baptized, the Holy Spirit planted faith in Jesus in your heart through the power of the word. God promised to sustain your faith, but he can only do that when you are connected with his word, like a hose going from an open faucet to a thirsty plant. When you allow that water and that light and just that opportunity for your faith, your soul to be nurtured by that word of God, you're going to become like a tree planted beside streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. Yet without a consistent connection to the word, your faith is going to shrivel and die. 
connected to God's word, your faith will thrive. It will bear fruit. It will grow strong roots in Christ. It will live. The Lord sustains your spiritual life as he helps you daily recommit your connection to his word, whether that's committing to being in worship on a regular basis or being in Bible study with your fellow believers, digging into the word, or whether that's simply your daily personal time you spend with Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus in his word, he will quench your thirsty soul. And then also through baptism, your focus changes. The focus of your life changes from you to your eyes lifted heavenward. Daily recalling what God did for you in baptism directs your eyes towards heaven, towards the prize already won by Jesus. So much in this life tries to draw your focus away from him, but since you are alive to God in Christ Jesus, your perspective changes. Your priorities change. Your life changes. The focus is no longer on you, but on Christ who has given you life. And so you daily go back to your baptism and you refocus on Jesus and you see, yes, I have opportunities to serve him in my holy callings here, in my different vocations he gives to me at home and in community and church. But then I also know that there is something more beyond this life with him forever. What a story, right? You just can't put it down. And it's all true. You can't, you can't pull your eyes away dead to sin, alive with Christ, connected to his death and resurrection, all through a few drops of water and God's word. And so we can join the hymn writer in a song that we're going to sing in just a bit. And we can say this, Without a shadow of a doubt, God's own child, I gladly say it. I am baptized into Christ. Amen.